Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Acts. Today is episode 214. We're looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Let's read our passage. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. Peter and John had gone to the temple to pray, observe the evening sacrifice. They encountered the lame man at the beautiful gate, the entrance to the temple courts. He was begging for alms. They, instead of giving him alms, healed him. He stood and walked and jumped, went into the temple courts, observed prayer and sacrifice himself. And and then they all went to Solomon's Colonnade, an area along the eastern wall where many of the Christians would often meet. A crowd gathered because of the miraculous healing. Peter and John used this event to share the gospel. And so Luke records for us the speech that Peter gives about how this man was healed. He was healed by the name of Jesus Christ. And just as he was healed, there's resurrection in Jesus Christ. Well, the authorities got wind of this and they're going to need to nip this thing in the bud. So they arrested Peter and John, and held them in jail overnight until the Sanhedrin could meet the following morning. And basically asked Peter and John, by what name or what power are you doing this? And Peter gives them the answer. It's by the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter presents the gospel to them. There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. So, verse 13 when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. So they were uneducated and untrained. Some English translations use illiterate, but that's uh, not a, a proper translation here. It's really the issue is These guys have never been to any of the rabbinical schools. They have not been trained in rabbi stuff. And they're just just guys. So how can they come in and do what they have done? They have just took on the Sanhedrin. These are the elite of the elite. These are the top dogs in society. These are the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees. The elders, that is the aristocracy, these are trained people. These go to rabbinical schools. They spend their whole lives studying uh, things like uh, the law and philosophy. And, and these common guys basically present the gospel. There's nothing they can say about it. They, they have nothing to say. So this is part of what's so amazing about this is these common people, Peter and John, just basically silence the Sanhedrin. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. Well, that's one of those things we often say of ourselves. Would people recognize that we had been with Jesus? 
This is about Jesus. Jesus also was untrained in their understanding of things, but he spoke with authority. He spoke with confidence and boldness. And Jesus' bold preaching was accompanied with miracles. Same thing with Peter and John here. This bold teaching that they had been doing out in the temple area now doing in front of the Sanhedrin is all hinged on this miracle. It says, verse 14, And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. What can you say? You can't say, no, you didn't heal him. Well, there he is standing there. He has never stood. He has never been able to stand before. And, and so there, there's nothing you can say in opposition to this miraculous healing. And when you say, how did you do this? And they say, we did it by the power of the name of Jesus. What can you say about that? So verse 15, after they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves saying, what should we do with these men? This question here, I mean, they don't like what's going on. One, they don't like any kind of ruckus. They particularly don't like this talk of resurrection, one that pokes their theology the wrong way. But secondly, that's messianic talk. And messianic talk can actually lead to revolution talk. And they don't want that at all. So they don't like what's going on and they want to put a stop to it. But what are we going to do about it? You know, they hadn't broken any laws where one of the things they charged Jesus with was violating the Sabbath, claiming to be the Son of God, making himself equal with God. Those are all the things, the theological charges they had against Jesus. Well, they don't even have that against Peter and John. They, they healed a guy. Is it against the law to heal a guy? No. It's obviously the work of God. So they didn't break any laws. And they're you know, somewhat popular heroes. This is uh, big news. And uh, it says a lot more people came to faith. So for them to try and do something, it's, well, it's going to be problematic for them with the people. But if they don't do anything, it's problematic because people are going to keep believing. So this is a big question. What do we do with these guys? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Yeah, you can't deny it. And they want to make them stop, but how? And what are they going to do? Well, they come up with a plan. Verse 17. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in his name again. Let's say how they threatened them or, or what they threatened them with. Doesn't say we'll, we'll put you in prison if you speak about Jesus again. Doesn't say we'll have you beaten if you speak about Jesus again. It just says threaten. There's kind of an implied threat here that if they are threatening them. Wasn't that long ago that they're the ones that had Jesus killed. And, and so the implied threat is, look what we did to your leader, Jesus. If you don't knock it off, the same thing could happen to you. And, and that's a threat. And perhaps that's the implied threat. We killed Jesus, we can kill you. Jesus is more popular than you are. One thing to notice in all of this is 
Peter proclaim the gospel. Notice they don't try and disprove the resurrection. This preaching of the resurrection is what's really got them all upset. Preaching about the resurrection of Jesus, but then going from that to a general resurrection of everyone based on the resurrection of Jesus, they don't like it. But they don't disprove it. They don't say, no, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Here, we'll go drag his body out and show you. No, they, they don't try and disprove it. So it's an interesting thing to, to notice there because everything hinges on the resurrection. Here they could have put a stop to all of this if they had just produced the body of Jesus. But they can't because Jesus has risen from the dead. The body of Jesus went to heaven and is there today. So this is, uh, shows the, the power of the resurrection as the proof that what they say is true. That's still the case. The resurrection is the proof that all the things that Jesus said are true. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Acts.